Max Denham, welcome to the show. Thanks Sammy for joining bro, me. Long time, man. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's been a while. It's been a while. We were uh, we were just chatting before you came in and saying how long I've actually probably known you. And what's actually crazy? Do you know what, CJ? When I met you, you you were like. You were a kid. Bro, I was at school. You were, you were actually a <laughs> kid. I was as well, because we were a similar sort of age, but, like, you were really small. Like, you yeah. grew a lot later in life. <laughs> That's, like, the polite way of do, telling do you know someone they put on a lot of weight. It's a facial hair. You no, had no facial hair. You looked about six years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, to give some context to the listeners, uh, what what age Max is actually talking about how old I am there is I was actually at secondary school, and... One of my first dealings with Max is I actually booked him to perform at my school prom. You know, like the sixth yeah, form, yeah. <laughs> the sixth form prom. I remember that, man. So that was probably actually my first. Well, some might say that's my first ever event booking. That's was, maybe, that, was that the I first, even, first thing you did? Because I, 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 I knew clubs. about you before that. Um, you, I think I met you before that with Harrison Smith. Yeah, do you know? I think it was around that time. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. I'd actually started playing in clubs yet. And then Harrison kind of introduced me to a few people, and then from there, I think there, he brought you along to a couple of his sets. Yes, definitely. So and there was, I was um, obviously DJing in the same circles as what was as, that? As uh, what was that club in well, that bar? No, not that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, RS Lounge. RS Lounge. RS Lounge. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the one that Mark Wright used to own. That turned into oh, a restaurant. The Manor House. Manor House. Yeah, that was yeah, that was on my first gigs. Yeah, yeah, that was I've got crazy. a funny story about that place. Um, before I knew Jermaine, he kicked me off the decks there. <laughs> no, no it wasn't Jermaine. It wasn't Jermaine. It was Siaka. No way. It was Siaka. Yeah. Wow, wow, what were you doing? He won't even remember that. What were you doing? I don't know. He just he he just, he just kicked me off. He, he he said, "Oh, like your sh- get off." <laughs> <laughs> He won't Brilliant. remember that, but I remember it. I remember it. Brilliant. I thought it was Jermaine. It wasn't Jermaine. It wasn't 100%. Brilliant. Well, from getting kicked off of decks to... But then later on in life, he booked me for boarding parties. So I won. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, well, there is the comeback story, really, from being kicked off the decks to then becoming an international DJ. Yeah. Now, you've played in places like Ibiza, Marbella, Dubai... Max Denim, as you're known, DJ Max Denim or Max Max Denim, as people used to chant in clubs, so good that they named you twice, some yeah. might say. <laughs> How did that even come about? Where did the name Max Max Denim come from? Because, um, wait, for, for the listeners, everyone in clubs used to say Max Denim, Max Max Denim, and there's like a little intro you used to yeah, play, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, To be real with you, the, the idea wasn't original. Um, I must have been about 17 and I had like a fake ID and we went to a club called Funky Mojo's which was in South Woodford and DJ EZ was there, right? And we went to the bar, we got some drinks and then the music stopped and then you heard the DJ EZ, that little jingle, right? And then I was like, the drinks, we're going, we're going to see DJ EZ, right? Because that's the reason why we went. We went to see EZ, but... Just by him doing that, I knew that he'd turned up. So from that moment, I was like, I have to do this as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, you have to. Because otherwise, if yeah. you just take over from the DJ before, no one knows you turned up. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's interesting. The, the idea's not original. The idea came from seeing DJ EZ, and he's someone I've always looked up to. Oh, wicked. Yeah, well, I mean, we actually talked about this in uh, my conversation with Colin Francis as well. Cause he's Did he say the same thing? He, he didn't say about EZ, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah, around yeah. this whole idea of creating a brand as a DJ. Yeah. But, like, this is what we're trying to explain to people, that becoming a DJ isn't just getting the music collection together and playing into clubs there's a lot of thought process that goes on 
behind the scenes into raising yeah, yeah, awareness, awareness of your brand and then growing yourself to that bigger level. And of course, by coming synonymous with an intro, that's where you kind of got yours from. I, I've, I've always found there's, there's two types of DJs. There's one who takes over from the last DJ and then there's a DJ that makes you stop what you're doing and go to the dance floor. And I always wanted to be that one. So after seeing EZ, I was like, that's what I want to do. So the idea is not original, but it really did benefit me so I t- t- taking it back even further than that obviously you've seen DJs they play you look up to EZ where was that f- when was that first time that you said you know what I want to become a DJ that's what I want to do when did you Bro, first you pick up believe it it like, was actually going behind a, drum a deck bass. it was a, a drum and bass rave right no way so when I first started DJing there was a guy called Paul who uh, he was my sister's ex-boyfriend but my sister was like it was when we were really young like I must have been about 14 years old um, and he had blonde hair blue eyes looked a bit like me and then he had decks and i was just i just got obsessed with djing so i used to go around his before i had decks so um, did he teach you to play or he taught me the fundamentals of djing so like how to beat match and stuff like that and um just kind of got me into that style of music so when i first started djing i was buying drum and bass records and um he had the blonde hair, the blue eyes, like, and he had an old passport. So he was like, look, hold that, we're going to go to a drum and bass <laughs> right? So then we've gone to Coco in Camden, um, and it was like an event called Breaking Science. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, like we, we went there, I told my mum that I was, I was staying at a friend's house, and we ended up going to this <laughs> drum and bass rave, right? And um, there was DJ Friction and DJ Zinc were playing, and... I saw him. I, I saw him turn up, and just like the crowd parted like the Red Sea. Yeah, I was like, people got so much respect for these people, but they they, they haven't got like the like. Imagine if you're on Big Brother and everyone's hassling you. It's not like that. Yeah, like it's it's more of a kind of everyone just respects you. It's like people weren't pulling them over for selfies and stuff like that, and I kind of liked that. I, I liked that they were known for being good at something rather than just. Overnight celebrity. People wanting to have a picture with them. But <laughs> yeah. it was like a respect thing. And I was like, oh, I want to, like, I, I really want to do this for, for for a job. Like, they can turn up and get paid to do this. I was like, I want that. Wicked. And then, yes, yeah, so I, I was about 14, 15 years old. Love that. Love and that. just that, so... that, that, that environment of being in a club at that young age and what it's, what it's like. And you're like, this is, this, this is something that I've never done before, but this is what I want to do. And that's what's crazy now, because there's a whole generation of... 17 18 year olds 19 year olds who are just going off to uni for the first time and often at uni or around that kind of age when you're legal enough to drink you get that kind of first introduction to a club yeah and of course now at this current moment in time there's no clubs open it's which crazy. is mad it's crazy so there's this whole generation of people haven't actually been out and seen a dj perform can, can, I, can i say one thing I, you see this thing about the clubs not being open i think that long term it will benefit us definitely it's definitely. tough now right why but do you think that is max why do you think that is i i kind of started coming up after the last recession and what i noticed was when i first started dj in 2008 to 2009 in clubs everywhere was dead clubs started closing down people think like that would have been the worst time to start djing but it's completely wrong it was the best time to start djing because what happens is um, perfect example somewhere like Birmingham right there's so many clubs in Birmingham like there's so many that all of them are like half full right so after the financial hit of now 
I'm predicting that most of them are going to close. Like, not for any fault of their own, not because it like because they were all good before, but it's just financially, if you're paying rent and you're not earning any money for a year, it's going to be tough to keep that business open. So if there's one or two of them left at the end of this, and there's still the same amount of people that were going out from before, you're not going to have half full clubs, you're going to have people that can't get into clubs. Mm. And definitely, I think, uh, on a elaborating on that point even further is that because no one's been allowed to go out during this whole lockdown period and there's no parties going on there's no social interaction think about when things are allowed to just open and we can be free to do what we want again people aren't going to be saying it seems like it's a long way away now it's going to happen Uh, 100% this is is what the whole point of the podcast is saying is that you know what this isn't going to carry on forever there is 100% a career to be made as a DJ as a singer musician in the creative industries and trust me the bounce back is going to be crazy because everyone's going to appreciate going out and listening to good music and good DJs and good artists so much more than they did before. Because, listen, we've been there. I do believe in this whole kind of cycle that you spoke about in terms of clubs being busy or you get promoters in or, like, it always used to be when we were, we were growing up that you'd buy tickets to go to the club. Oh, like, there's all yeah. the, like, these ticket but sellers. I used to sell and... tickets for things. Like, if I was DJing out here, I don't, the only way I'd get a booking was to sell tickets. So is that how, how your first kind of bookings come about? Why? I got exploited by a few promoters, <laughs> <laughs> We're not going na- like to. Bro, that's, that's like when I was like 18 years old. I'd like to add oh. this show is not a political show. We'll not be slandering any uh, <laughs> club sell promoters. Like 100 <laughs> tickets and I'll give you like 50 quid. Like, what? Crazy, I sold them it? tickets for 20 quid each. What are you talking it's about? Mad. When you when you think back, yeah. I used to sell tickets for like 25 pound on Christmas Eve, and I'd see like oh, 2 pound 50. You know what? I always won on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. I always won because I make sure I got a good deal. Those are the money earners. Yeah. Those are the money earners. Christmas Eve because you knew everyone was going to be out yeah everyone was going to be doing something tickets sell themselves i used to work at the the dj shop and i used to if i was selling tickets for anything like that when i was really young i'd make them come to the shop to pick them up yeah yeah. i actually bought my first club saxophone microphone off you in your shop you're joking yeah it was uh well, it was in the I think top, I remember. Top, top yeah, yeah, Road, Western right? DJ. yeah western yeah, dj I've, I've, I've got a flashback of that happening so yeah, is western yeah. dj still there yeah, yeah, still sure yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah. let's let's go back. You went and got a, sh- a job. Yep. At a, a DJ shop. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. So why did you do that? Um, I had another. Right, so, <laughs> I, um, I went to sixth form for the first year, right? And I was DJing at a a local pub. It's Prezos now. It was a Bull and Crown, right? I remember. So, I remember that's probably where. I first saw you perform, which is why I probably booked you for my prom. Really? Yeah, yeah. It would have been... This is, this is over 10 years I mean, ago. yeah, this it's like... 11, 2008, 2000, 11, 12, 2000... No, at least 2008, maybe 2007. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Must be. Um, so I was, work, I, I was DJing there, and um, I was handing out flyers and stuff for... Um, for the Fridays and Saturdays that I was doing in, in, in sixth form. So what happened was we had an influx of all these 17 year olds coming to the coming to the pub. And then there was like a <laughs> massive clampdown on underage drinking in the a- area, right? AKA Which I think I, I caused. <laughs> I was going to the club underage. Yeah, to of see course, of course. Back then you could have a fake ID, you could order it online. No one like as long as you had something to say that you're 18, you were good. Like the license was covered at the bar. Um so we we were doing that and then hit the fan 
and I lost that job because they had to shut for six weeks or whatever to kind of redo it all and rebrand it, right? Because it was underage, like from from rebranding yeah, yeah. from it was kid, from completely my fault. Because I was, who am I going to promote to? The people my age, right? Yeah. Um, so I lost that job. So I thought, right, I've got to go and get a job. And I was earning good money at the Bull and Crown as well, for, especially for 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 that age I was. Um, so I thought, right, I've got to get a job. So did you drop out of sixth form? Oh, I, I didn't get on with it. Um, yeah, I, I when, when I was I was earning money and I was just like, look, I, I've, all I want to do is DJ. I don't want to do anything else. So I don't want to go to uni. I don't want to do this. So it got to the end of the first year, and then I was just like, like I'm not going to do the rest. Like I, I, I want to focus on other things. Um, so yeah, then I lost that job at the Bull and Crown. So I was like. <laughs> what do I do now so I got a CV together it's the only CV I've ever written and this was over 12, 12 years ago um, and I went up and down Oxford Street handing this CV into all the shops just as like a little stopgap I thought right I'm going to focus on the DJing but I need to be earning some sort of money I just got a financed car right? so I had to make them payments I didn't want to ask my mum for anything um, so I handed in I, I printed out about 50 CVs, right? And uh, I handed them all out. And I must have handed out about 40 of them to all different retail shops. I thought that's going to be an easy... like the, the, the staff turnaround will be massive, so I'll get a job straight away. Um, and I've handed them into loads of shops. And then uh, on the way back home... I thought I can get on the train at Oxford Street or I can walk down to Tottenham Court Road and pop into West End DJ and have a look at these CDJs that I wanted to get, right? Um, so they're DJ decks, right? CDJs. Yeah, yeah. So the, the CD, they, they were like, they were the, the thing back then as well. Like now there's all controllers and stuff, but CDJs were what you had to have then. Um, so I thought I'm going to have a look at them. I'm going to have a little play on them and I'm going to save up for them. So I'll get this job. And then I'll save up some money and then I'm going to go and buy some CDJs from there. I had probably about 10 CVs left on me. I probably handed out about 40 of them. Um, so I've gone to West End DJ and I thought, I might as well just, I'm never going to get a job. Never going to get it, but I might as well try, right? I've, I've, I've got a CV in my hand. I might as well try and give it in. So... Uh, Richie, who's like, he's the owner's son. He's very close. Like, I'm close with their whole family now, obviously. But um, <coughs> he he was in there, and he was. Um, I said to him, "Oh yeah, I, I want a job." And then I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna come back for these CDJs. When I get a job, I'm gonna buy them." Right? I was handed him a, handed in him in a CV. He was like, "I'll have a chat with my dad." <laughs> so then it gets to like Monday. I get a phone call from Levi's on. Uh, what's that road near Oxford Street Regent Street right so I get a call from them they're like oh yeah can you come in for an interview I went in for the interview like the day after I got the job uh, so I've started like a, a couple of days later and they've like given me all the free uniform and stuff like that because you have to be wearing Levi's clothes to work in the store uh, I hated it <laughs> I hated that like I was there for one day Right, <laughs> and this is why. This is why. So um, you weren't a fan of bootcut jeans. So I started it, and then they were like, "Oh, right, you've got to give people a number when they go and try stuff on." And they're like, "You're doing that for four hours." I was like, "I, I can't do this. Like, this is this 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 is absolutely pointless." Right. So then it's my lunch break. My phone starts ringing. I'm like, "Hello, hi, it's Chris at West End DJ." 
Um, my son's handed me in your CV. He says he's got a bit about you, right? <laughs> he's like, can you come down, like... Can you come down and meet me? I was like, I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm on my way. So I went straight down to the shop and he was like, look, start on Monday. So I went back to, to Levi's. I said, see you later, I'm off. <laughs> did, did you keep the free jeans? I kept the clothes. I kept the clothes. <laughs> so my first day at West End DJ, I had a brand new pair of Levi's on, like a Brilliant. t-shirt, everything. Like. <laughs> but yeah. So do you find that, uh, did you find that working at the shop helps you progress as a DJ because you, you were learning about 100%. equipment and stuff like that or when you're in an environment like that it turns DJing from a hobby or something that you want to kind of progress with into your life so I have to know about all the equipment I have to know what every single button does because if someone asks me then I think that's the, the, the technical side of things that I think that I'm known for definitely comes from working in that shop i had to know what every barn did because how am i supposed to sell it if i can't demo it yeah, yeah i hear you. see that's what an i mean interesting point. so i think point. it did help me with that also it helped me meet certain people everyone used to come to me for their equipment um and it helped me meet certain people that later on in life ended up putting me kind of into positions that I wouldn't have be, had the opportunity to have. So I put that all on West End DJ and being in that place at that time. You know, like being in the right place at the right time, that was West End DJ for me, 100%. Love that, love that. So, as you said, you're known for being quite a technical DJ in terms of scratching and mixing. So for, for, the, for the average listener who doesn't understand about what that is, what is your style with DJing and what do you what what does someone mean by saying you're good at scratching? What does that mean? Um scratching is just like manipulating a, a, a record. Like I started on vinyl, so I always say a record, but it's a CDJ controller, whatever you're using. Um I I, I I class it as an instrument. A lot of people would disagree, but it is playing an instrument. Because you're manipulating sounds to exactly make them sound how you want. But then a lot of people don't think like that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So scratching is basically the idea of mixing two records together, but it's creating... You, you often see it... Like creating a, a rhythm or yeah. a, a, a pattern out of audio. Using, using sounds and audio yeah. from one over the top of another... Yeah. to create something else and, and, and make the mix even better. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, well, uh, we're going to put a separate video together of Lax, uh, Max live in the studio where he's going to be showing you some of his mixing and scratching techniques and stuff. So in terms of your genre and style of music, what is it that you love to play the most? Um, urban music, hip-hop, R&B. I don't really like playing house. I have done in the past, but... The reason why is because of my obsession with the art of DJing. I find mixing house boring. Um, everything's the same tempo. You don't really have to think three or four songs ahead. You, you might do if you want to keep the keys the same and stuff like that, but I just like the unpredictability of a, a hip-hop set. Like You don't know where it's going. And it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you interested in what's going on. I think that that's that's quite important for me. So yeah, hip hop, hip hop and R and B, and just anything urban. So, could you tell me 
what your best ever gig has been or name a few oh hands down Ministry of Sound Ministry of Sound straight away I don't even have to think about that iconic venue Um, I wanted to do that from right so when I I was young like I always said I'm going to play at Ministry of Sound one day I'm going to play at Ministry of Sound one day and I ended up playing like housing clubs and stuff like that I wasn't really happy doing it but it's what I had to do to get a book in um, but I always wanted to play hip hop, and when I started getting known as uh, a hip hop and R and B and urban DJ, when Funky Buddha and stuff was happening, I was thinking that Ministry of Sound thing is never going to happen now. Right? But it's something I always wanted to do. Um, I started DJing probably 2005, 2017. I played at Ministry of Sound. No way. So like 12 years later, and it was for like Freshers Week, and it was the most like. Have you ever had something that you you, you, you you think about a lot and then one day it just happens? And you're like, this is the moment. Like, this is what I've been building up towards. But then after that, you've got to think of something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this yeah. idea of having a bucket list of venues yeah, that you yeah, want to yeah. play. Like Ministry of Sound, that was, that was like a... I've only done it once, but... The first time I did it, it was main room, main time. So that was that meant so much more to me. So is that what made it good for you? Is the fact that the you'd achieved what you'd set out in your mind to achieve, rather than just the gig itself? Was the crowd good? Was the crowd? The crowd was incredible. It was everything that I wanted it to be, like start to finish. But Explain I think that it was feeling. just being in that moment as well. It means right. What I've realised as well is. Um, for certain parts of my career, DJing became about feeding off of a crowd, and that is wrong. That's not what you should be doing. It's about them feeding off of you, right? So if I think back to that Ministry of Sound gig, and you're like, how did it go? They were feeding off of me because I was that excited to be there and to be playing in that room. And my energy, I felt like they were feeding off of that, and that's what makes a good gig. Yeah, we've touched on it before about this idea of reading a crowd. Yeah. So, could you explain what that means to you in terms of reading a crowd? Um, how do you a crowd. How, like how do you approach a gig? Do you tailor your set? Do you walk into a place and think, "I know exactly what to play," or do you? You listen? won't know until you get there. Yeah. You won't know until you get so there. So you don't pre-plan your sets. You turn up. Um, I like making folders of um, what I'll do is I'll make a folder of like 200 songs that I might want to play in the next couple of weeks and I'm thinking like right I'm definitely going to play this definitely going to play this definitely going to play this but then if I'm playing for an hour I'm probably going to play maximum 60 of them songs so then I can change it every week as well or change it every set slightly Um, but then it kind of narrows down my thinking while I'm in the moment. So the, instead of having 10,000 songs to pick from, I'm probably picking from 200. Um, so yeah, I do plan things. I do prepare things in a certain way, but at the same time, you've got to have that, um, you've got to kind of make it different every time as well. You have to. Oh, I hear that, I hear that. So as we know, preparation is key. You've got massive collection of records, but then rather than just pre-planning a set, you go in with an idea of, of the tunes that you're feeling at that moment in time, and then from there you. Well, can say if I'm playing somewhere like I, I was doing, I, I was playing in Munich quite a lot, and 
the music that I would play there is completely different to what I'd play in London. Say so at the same time, I was regularly playing at Libertine and I was playing at Mun- uh, uh, Hugo's in Munich, and the the music in Munich was a lot more commercial and the music in Libertine was a lot more like if something's dropped today I have to play that like if something if someone's if Tory Lanez has put up a new mixtape yesterday I have to have some of the tunes from that mixtape at Libertine whereas in Munich it would be more kind of fluffy girly hands in the air shit. um which I love playing both types of crowds but you need to know that before you go there and saying that you're not going to know that until the first time you've been there so you have to think on the spot for the first time but then you can go away and prepare for the next one got you got you so as you mentioned you've played in munich you've held down residencies in london is there any other countries that you have loved playing it well, uh, my bear is like my second home i've been doing that <laughs> forever like, <laughs> me and you have had some crazy crazy times yeah, in my bear yeah 100 percent. a lot of jaeger bombs <laughs> um, sisu pool party and Aquamist, Tibu, it's everywhere. Mean, but that, Pangea, first crazy time I probably I started DJing there like 2010. So I, I was doing that for 10 years. This is 2020 is the first year that I haven't even flown out here. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably the same for me in yeah in the last 10 years. So from you, I had a book in there as well. And then oh um, wait, crazy whereabouts? Uh, we I was supposed to do Aces at Plaza Beach this year in August, and the uh, quarantine, the two week quarantine thing kicked in. Um, like after the lockdown then there was like if you go to Spain you've got a quarantine for two weeks so then I ended up cancelling the event so who are Aces? Uh, Aces are Jace Medley and Joel Seymour they're from uh, I think I think Smedley's from Leicester everyone will say Nottingham but it's because they hold down yeah, reg- yeah, regular yeah. nights in Nottingham, Nottingham was their spot like they had the best events in Nottingham for, for forever so uh, if you're in that part of the world definitely go and check out Aces yeah. events and they you might well catch Max playing at one of them um, so just having a look at your, at your social going back to this idea of creating a brand and obviously the idea that being a DJ isn't just turning up with records so you've got 20,000 followers on Mixcloud you've got 11,000 on Instagram and a lot of your Instagram videos are of you live in the mix yeah scratching yeah, yeah. and doing various stuff to songs so I don't want to be known for having my top off and putting baby oil on me <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about that. If you, if you, I th- saying that you said that um, I've got twenty thousand on Mixcloud, right? But then I've got eleven thousand on Instagram, right? I'm so happy about that. <laughs> like, I can't explain what that means to me. Like to me, that means that people are interested in what I'm actually doing. They're interested in my DJ and not. Oh, here's a picture of Max. Like yeah. I don't care about that. And then again, like on on my videos, I I I, I want people to see what I do, not what. I'm doing day to day. Yeah, I hear. You. Yeah, the mixing videos are quite something. You'll definitely have to check out his socials. What are, what is your Instagram, Max? And your uh, every everything's the same. I think that that's important, especially for the branding. Like you have to have, if you've got something as your Twitter, you have to have that as your Instagram, your Mixcloud. So it's just at Max Denham for everything across all the socials. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a great point for any. You don't want artist. it to be at Max Denham on Instagram and then some uh, Max Denham one two three on on Twitter because it, it's it's not. It needs to be the same. So if your name's taken, just make sure whatever you do, you have it consistently across all platforms. 100%. It's easy for everyone to find you. That's a great piece of advice for any aspiring DJ and a very, import- a very important part about branding as well. Um, so what is next for you then? Obviously at the moment, the live gigs in venues are kind of, well, non-existent at the moment, yep. but you've been 
staying productive and what have you been learning in your time um beginning of lockdown i kind of i it kind of hit home a bit and i i've kind of felt a bit lost but then later on i've um i've really got obsessed with music production like i i wake up and i'm thinking about music production it's it's the same sort of energy i had for djing all them years ago and it is it, it saved my mental health like completely so it's giving you a total new lease of life. I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got something to do every day, and like, it's just it's, it, to me that is that that is all I'm doing. Like, I got rid of my PlayStation. I put it in the garage. Like, I was playing PlayStation the first couple of months of lockdown. I was playing FIFA. D- delete FIFA if you've got it. It's such a waste <laughs> of time. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Like, Using your time productively. Oh my god, getting rid of the PlayStation. I've still got it if I want it, but it's in my garage. Like I'm not yeah. touching that. If I want to go and play it, I have to go in my garage and there's spiders in there. I throw <laughs> out spiders. And this idea of listen, you've got to have that clear mind and focus every day to wake up and say, I'm going to make music today. I'm not going to waste this day. Yes, I might not be able to play in clubs, but you know what? I can make some beats here. I can make a record. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be successful from the music thing. Like, I've got an obsessive brain. So, in terms of your music production, then, where are you aspiring to get to with it? What is the end goal? Well, like, I'm obsessed with it. Like, I've got an obsessive brain. So, it's the same with with how I was with DJing. Like, when I was when I started DJing, I wanted to be the best at it. So. I, I I truly do believe if you're interested in something, you will get good at it, and you'll get good at it very quickly. Um, saying that, I've been into music production for about five years, but I've only just found that same love for it like recently, and it's it's lockdown that's pushed me into that, and it's it's something that. Yeah, I wake up and uh, it's, it's all I think about. It's all I want to do. I don't even like. I've I've got to remember to eat. it's bad but at the same time i know i know that it's going to benefit me there's no way that it's not going to be my full-time career right it is going to be my full-time career and it works hand in hand with the djing which is the other thing that i love so if i can push my djing career further it's going to be through the music production then i can be more selective with what gigs i take yeah so that's quite interesting because i'm coming from the same place right now where yeah. we're recording from now is the studio that i built during lockdown now i'm currently doing a a master diploma in music production yeah so for for those who don't know about music production it's the idea of actually creating music from nothing uh, from the ground up so basically there's lots of different types of software that professional producers use uh, i use one called logic there's another one called ableton um and basically you can create a tune pretty much from your laptop these days and literally like these programs are crazy they have thousands and thousands of built-in sounds and you can literally buy a midi keyboard which attaches to your laptop and you can almost play in any instrument you can create a drum beat literally there and then so is that what you've been doing have you been making beats from scratch pretty much yeah with the idea of of giving them to different artists to use or um i still i'm still not at the stage where i know what i want to do with them yet um i've started putting little videos up on instagram and stuff and it's getting traffic so i've it's taken me a long time to get to the level where i think i'm ready to start putting stuff out but um I watch a lot of uh, a lot of YouTube and videos, and I I, I watch uh, Timberland a lot, and he does these little Twitch streams, right? And he he said like, let your music do the talking. So 
it's one of them things like I'll start putting stuff out on Instagram and then if if it's if it's good enough people will share it and it's just knowing that that will keep you going like when people get excited about stuff as well it feels nice like yeah we were talking about this it feels kind of more special to me now like say I put up a video the other day and people were reacting to it it felt better than one like if I was doing one DJing because I've already had that a hundred times from DJing so it's like a new feeling I like it new experience people reacting to music that you've actually made yourself I'll tell you what it feels a hell of a lot better than winning a game of FIFA so (laughs) don't buy a PS5 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a great point listen you end of the day we've all done it but you need to remove the distractions from your life sometimes 100% and when you do that and you put your full focus and effort and put in the hard work you will get results and it yeah. don't matter that there's a recession now it don't matter that there's, there's not live gigs now because we can all be working on little projects which are going to benefit us in the long run and you know what by doing music production yourself now you are manifesting this idea and that you're going to be successful in it and that you know what everything that you're doing in the music production side of things is actually going to complement your DJ because you have a great understanding of music so you'll find that actually your mixing almost ends up changing at certain points because you've got such a more in-depth understanding of music and the songs and the song selection not just picking a record because you like it and that's what's going to be interesting to see how your career develops in terms of making beats and developing your own sound because you're going to find that, you know what, eventually there's going to come to this this point where you're making such great beats that artists are going to be coming to you specifically and saying, Max, 100%. I need you to make this beat for me. So obviously you specialise in urban music, hip-hop, R&B. So is that where you kind of want to take your music? So that I'm just, I'm just letting the music do its thing. Like I'll, I'll, What happens is, bro, it's crazy. Every, every night at about 2am I have a breakthrough. It's like, I'll be making I'll be making I'll be making and I'll be deleting stuff and starting again. And then li- literally like clockwork, 1.45, 2 a.m., boom, I'm like, oh, my God. Found it. Found it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it, it's different every time. So I, 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 I think that when something goes and when something is released, eventually with an artist or even, even on my own, like I, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but when something goes and it becomes popular, then the it's not for me to decide what I make or what my sound is. I feel like people will decide that for me and then I'll, once something gets popular, I'll carry on doing that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Do you know what? I've always, like, in, in the back of my head, I've always had this feeling like, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a millionaire. I always thought it would be off of DJing, but now i found this, like... I think this might be my direction. And do you know what's, uh, like, call it cheesy or whatever, but I'm a massive believer in this whole idea of being on a certain path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. being part of the process. And you know what? Your, your music career is very similar to mine in that each little chapter of it, so to speak, has fed the next idea. 100%, like, yeah. From like, from working in a record shop, that's then helped you develop as a DJ, started playing more clubs which has taken you to play in various different countries. Now that's dried up. You've got this understanding of music and a catalogue of music, so your passion for music is greater than it's ever been, and now you can turn that idea into actually making music and making your own sounds. And do you know what? You wouldn't have got to that stage without having all the lessons behind you from... Bro, I've got a degree in what works on the dance floor. Like, I instantly know what's going to work on the dance floor. And some could say that's more valuable than 
a lot of academic 100%. careers that you could have by going to uni. Course, so yeah. it's a very important point for anyone listening is, you know what, you don't have to go into higher education to get a career. Just because, okay, at the time there's this idea of you have to go to uni, you have to go to school. Listen, if you want to work hard at something and you're really passionate about it, Obviously, it's great to have some kind of backup plan and to work hard in school. Of course, I it disagree. Is. Don't have a backup plan. Go broke. Don't have a backup plan. Go no. broke. Like if if you really love something, you should you should you should do that. You can you can do that. And the idea that you have to get a nine to five job and you have to do this to earn money, I think is it's a dream killer. And the reason why is because you get a nine to five job, right? Then you start earning some money. And then you start getting things that you, like a car, like a, maybe you get a mortgage and stuff like that. So you get trapped in that, right? Whereas if you're willing to, I always said I would DJ even if I wasn't earning any money from it. And I'm still, I'm still going to be, like, obviously the clubs are shut, but I'm going to prove on the other side of this. I meant that. Like, I really meant that. I've not earned any money in eight months. And I'm still, I'm still a DJ, I'm planning on things that's going to make me a bigger DJ and I'm willing to go broke for it. Like, I don't care about the money. Like, I've never done it for that. Yeah, love So, that. I think getting, especially if you're young, um, if, if you want to, if, you, if, you've got, if you've got a plan, like, you need to have a plan. If you want to be an investment banker, be the best at it. If you want to, if you want to be a musician, be willing to go broke for that thing because you will earn money from it. Like, I've done it from DJing. I've earned a lot of money from DJing. And I was always willing to have that thing. Like, I don't care about the money. It's not about money. It's about DJing. 100%. And that's a great point. And it's a point that I made on Instagram as well. In that this whole idea of reskill and retraining, that's what people don't understand. Is that if you're that passionate about something and you work that hard at it, the rest will take care of itself. Because if you put in the hours to becoming the best DJ or the best singer or 100%. the best, best musician, you'll get to where you need to be eventually. A hundred percent. I've got this. I've got this thing right. So, if you had to fight Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> no, just listen, listen, right? You had to fight Floyd Mayweather. Have you, have you seen right? me, Max? <laughs> this is the I point. Could, this I could, is, this I is could the fight point. out of a paper bag. You can't yet, right? <laughs> so you've got to fight Floyd Mayweather. You go in the ring with him. Thirty seconds, you'll be out cold, right? Because he's Floyd Mayweather, right? But then if I said to you, right, you've got to do that every day for a year. After six months, you're going to know where he's swinging. You're going to duck some of them. You're going to hit him back. You're still going to lose. <laughs> you're still going to get knocked the <laughs> out, right? But after you've done it that many times, you'll start learning, right? After, it might take a year. It might take two years. After a certain amount of time, you're going to catch him. It's only a matter of time. So it's the same with anything. If you go to the gym, right? You can't bench press 100, right? But... You start at fives, you start, you go up to tens, you go up to twenties, you're going to progress, it's progression. And that's li that little bit of progress every day is how everyone... That little bit of progress every day would get you to the stage where you're knocking out Floyd Mayweather, I'm telling you, facts. A million percent. And it's, it's interesting actually because... People aren't willing to fail. That's the problem. People aren't willing to fail. That's the problem and often... That's the, the biggest part. From the failures, they're what put you on your course of success. See, I could kick me off the decks. Say no more, say no more. Do you know what I said to myself when that happened? This is never happening to me again. It never did. There you go. There you go. And there's the lesson in all of it. Yeah. Is that you can't be afraid to <coughs> fail. Whether you're a musician picking up an instrument for the first time, you go to a lesson, you can barely make a note. You think, why do I want to do this? I used to do it every Saturday morning. I used to turn up and think, 
this is the worst thing i can't play this instrument but then you start practicing you learn you learn your scales you put in the hours and then when something clicks it makes it worth it there ain't no better feeling no wait, now wait, wait, get, at the point when you get a click you're not giving up now yeah it's because you you've you committed so much time and effort to get into that point yeah and you know what sometimes it's about that journey like yeah, we spoke about this before is like once you've reached the top yeah that, that's that's going to be a nice moment but you've got to appreciate the journey as well and listen there's a lot of musicians out there now who are probably thinking i can't get oh i'm not gonna be able to make a career out of this there's no gigs trust yeah, but me that's the the thought process is the thing that's going to hold you back right i read a 100%. book I, I read a book um uh, is a rapper from the US called Russ. Not the English one. Is a is a, a, a rapper from the US called Ru- called Russ, and he's got a book, and it's called something like "Get Out of Your Own Way," right? It's about music and uh, and how he made it as, as as a musician and stuff. But I mean, it's it's a story, and it's a, a kind of a, a a way to go about your life as well. You can learn from it. That I think that whatever you're doing, if it's creative, you should read that book. So Max. <laughs> I know you for having some mad stories. Like, you come up with nice baff stuff sometimes. Tell them that story about Will I Am. Right, so I was DJing at Libertine and um, someone taps me on the shoulder. He's like, Oh, can you play a song? Can you play a song? I'm like, Taps me on the shoulder again. Oh, can, can, you, play, can you play a song? I'm like, Look around, it's Will I Am, right? And he's there in the club, like obviously they're celebrating something. He's like, "Oh yeah, can you can you play my new tune?" I didn't have it. <laughs> I didn't have it. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll play it, I'll play it." And then he kept coming back like every five minutes, like an annoying Karen. Like, I was like, what am I gonna do? Like, what? I haven't got the song. What, what was the song? It's my birthday. I downloaded it straight away as soon as I got home. Brilliant. But yeah, I, I didn't have the song. Did I ask mad? But weddings now, because obviously you need to be able to cater for. Any song request. I thought that was a ever. bit arrogant. Why is he asking for his own song anyway? Like, maybe, maybe yeah, maybe, maybe he wanted yeah. the. Uh, it the weren't new at the time either. Free like, <laughs> it was. Yeah, but it weren't to promo the song. The, pro- <laughs> the song had been out for six months. But you still didn't have it. Didn't have it. No, I, don't, I don't like the song. I'm not gonna have it on my Serato. <laughs> oh mate, don't. You played at quite a few uh, celebrity parties and stuff, ain't you? Yeah, Just, yeah. Like, some mad, yeah. mad celeb. Who's the who's the biggest craziest celeb you've you've played for? Um, We've just been like, wow. when I was doing Funky Buddha, everyone if they had a concert in London, they'd they'd, they'd do their after party there. So we've had Drake, we've had Justin Bieber, um, J Cole was uh, one uh, at the time. He was he was he wasn't unknown, but he wasn't J Cole like he is now. Like he's he still was, on the worst. He was he's supporting Drake back then, and um, they came to Funky Buddha. Drake left, J. Cole and his, his crew kind of stayed at the club, right? And um, he came up to me at the end, he was like, oh, you were sick. And I had an actual chat with him. And um, I'd obviously listened to his mixtape and stuff before that. And I was like, yo, Lights Please is my favourite song on the whole thing. And he was like, that's my favourite song as well. So out of all the ones that he'd done on that mixtape. But he was one person that he was the most... To me, he was so famous then. Like to a lot of other people, he wouldn't have been. But I really liked his music, and he was just one of them them people that it was like, yo, like he, uh, anything that he does now, I'm going to support. And I would have done anyway, but it's just that kind of level of humbleness and the fact that he had time to actually acknowledge me. Definitely. And do you know what? In the music industry, I think that's so key. Is that the most down to earth, nice 
approachable people are actually the ones that go the furthest. Sometimes yeah, it's the ones with the chip on their shoulder that think they're a bit too big time that actually yeah. don't amount to much at all in the long run. Yeah, and that's, but they're yeah, holding that's themselves crazy. back, aren't they? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Drake didn't talk to anyone. He was just... But I, I, I can imagine he's one of them people that he's so famous that he doesn't want to talk to anyone that's know, outside of his crew. It must be crazy the amount of people that try to befriend him or... 100 you know, become involved or like i think you've got to be very aware when you're that famous yeah the amount of people that must try and use you for, to make money or to to benefit themselves without just actually just wanting to be your mate for the sake of being your mate saying that right i've, I've done a lot of um parties for footballers and i think that a lot of them like when i started doing all the parties for the football footballers I would, i'd do like the spurs christmas party and stuff like that at the time i didn't know anything about football like i got into football from doing parties for people like that and then getting invited to games so like 2014 2015 i i didn't i didn't know anything about football so i'd do the tottenham christmas party my mate nick came with me and then there's all these like footballers that like a, a massive coming up to me going yo max i'm like yeah yeah cool i'll be like to nick what's his name <laughs> but i think that that the, the kind of the, the fact that i wasn't like licking their is <laughs> made them like me mm. But to me, that's just... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, what, who you are. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's mad. Going back to that Funky Buddha, because... Funky Buddha uh, was the club of mate, all clubs. We like. used to play there every Tuesday for years. I wasn't even like, being paid. I was, like, turning up. <coughs> you know, uh, well, I thought, well, minimal, minimal. Yeah, yeah. Minimal bits. Costs, yeah. But, like, but then I bet you got a lot of work off the back of that. So Yeah, well, it's crazy. A, yeah. a lesson for anyone watching this that thinks... Right, so doing things for someone to post your is not a reason to do it, right? So exposure and stuff like that. But if you're if you're doing something like a, a club like Funky Buddha where Drake's turning up, um, like Timberland was there one week, and then like the next weekend you'd have Justin Bieber turn up and and stuff like that. Like it's good to be in them positions. So if 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 an opportunity comes about and it's like not necessarily for any money, um, but you know that you can benefit from being there, just do it. Yeah, Just do 100%. It. Listen, sometimes you've got to do a free gig here and there or put yourself amongst people that your network is your net worth. And sometimes you're mixing with certain groups who will push you to that next level. Yeah, so even definitely. if you're not necessarily earning money from something in that moment, it could potentially lead to other things and you, sh you shouldn't ever be too narrow-minded to the fact that you can't work for free on certain occasions. I'm not saying you should all the time, because yeah, again, that can have detrimental effects. It's but got to benefit both parties at the same time. So yeah, don't, definitely. Don't, don't ever do anything that you think is not going to benefit you. A million percent. And do you know what's crazy? I always remember as well meeting. Uh, do you remember the song No Diggity, Black Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, used yeah. to love that song. I used to have that song on repeat, even before I started like, playing in clubs. <laughs> I just remember it being on one of them, like, uh, I don't know, R&B compilation albums or something, and it's one of the tracks we always used to have on the car going to football. It was crazy. And I remember them doing a concert in London and having the after party at they Funky, Funky Buddha. Buddha yeah, yeah. yeah, And I remember meeting them, and I remember being like, it's just crazy, because I'd... I wouldn't know what you would look like if you walked past me in the street, but I know your tunes. You know the song, yeah. And, uh... I always remember saying to him, I like I used to, I've never been or never had that kind of fear of talking to something. Like, I've never really? been starstruck. Like I'll just talk to anyone. I'll talk to anyone and crack on. And like if you're alright, we'll get on well. If you want to be a diva, we won't get on. I've only ever been starstruck once. Who and is you that? Won't with? believe who it was either. You won't believe it. 
Uh, right, so I've met Justin Bieber, I've met Drake, I've met J. Cole, like, I've met all these people. No, I was not starstruck for any of them. Who? who Kano. 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 <laughs> because when I was 14, Kano's Home Sweet Home was like my favourite. It, it was it was his album, but it was start to finish, I knew every word. Yeah. So when I met Kano, he was in Marbella, I was like, Kano's I had to kind of compose myself a bit. Yeah. He was like, yo, that's, that's Kano. Like, yeah, it's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Another time as well, there's a DJ, right, called DJ Hype, and he's a drum and bass DJ. I saw him in Sainsbury's, right? And I was like to my missus, I was like, that's DJ Hype, that's DJ Hype. <laughs> like, Who's DJ Hype? I was like, he's DJ Hype. She was like, go and talk to him. I was like, no, 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 I can't, I can't. I never said hello to him. <laughs> Have you met I was him more since? gassed about seeing DJ Hype in Sainsbury's. Brilliant. Like, he don't know who I am. He don't Brilliant. know who I am. Brilliant. I remember, uh, I remember going back to Black Street. I said to him, I said, uh, have you got any advice for me? I was probably only like 18, 19 yeah, at the time. Yeah. like, have you got any advice? And he's obviously a man of very few words. Or the, uh, There's a few of them in the group, right? But whoever it is I spoke to said, yo, bring the hype, bring the money. And they just walked off. <laughs> and that's it. But the mic. I, I, just, I just always remembered it. I mean, it was just like, bring the hype, bring the money. And they obviously said it in American accent. And I was just like, gassed up. And I was like, Fair enough. <laughs> but it used to be funny because I used to turn up to Funky Buddha and like, I was a bit of a, as you said, I was quite small. I was a bit of a geek. Obviously, fashion changes basically. Like Funky Buddha and like a blazer and it was quite a like... Yeah, but that was your that was your persona. That was who you yeah. wanted to present yourself as and that worked for you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It all comes back again to this idea of branding and yeah, 100%. feeling comfortable in whatever you're however you want to dress or present yourself is a big big part of it and yeah it's crazy and it fits the, the saxophone as well so yeah yeah, yeah. well for weddings and obviously I'll suit, yeah. suit and boot up but yeah. I don't own a suit there you go there I you don't, go I don't I, have I, one. I, yeah from well it's, it's mad because every weekend I'm at weddings yeah I yeah. have shirt and tie just just to impress kind of thing yeah. just cause it's a wedding but yeah obviously in clubs it was it was different it's mad because in this area there was a whole like era of people dressing up like that to go to nightclubs oh yeah and 195 then, you used yeah, to yeah I, used I, to remember, I remember turning up to people with one, uh, 195 and they weren't wearing shoes and they'd be like they're not coming in I'd be like but I'm not wearing shoes <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, yeah but you're DJing I was like yeah but they're with me and you'd have yeah. an argument on the door about it but <laughs> at the same time if they're trying to keep the clientele a certain way then they're completely right at the time I wouldn't have understood it yeah. but yeah, thinking nice. back now nah. it is mad how, how the trends move and I always thought though right so you can you can be wearing shoes but you still might be an <laughs> and have a fight <laughs> yeah. so it doesn't keep away that like <laughs> just because yeah. you're wearing shoes doesn't mean yeah. you're not an absolute douchebag never judge a book by its cover or yeah. a bell end by his suit Basically. Yeah, so I always, <laughs> I, I always didn't understand that, that kind of rule. Oh, it's mad, it's mad. Listen, do you remember when we used to go to that uh, bar? Yeah, so we always used to go to Marbella pretty much like every flicks. month. And there's flicks. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Flicks as this. <laughs> this is we going back to this idea, right, of like don't judge a person's <laughs> a person's lifestyle by what they put on Instagram because we used to do all these mad champagne spray pool parties during the day where like. All the clientele people were spending fifty grand on the spending table, spending ludicrous amounts of money <coughs> at the in party, and then all of the promoters and the DJs would go off, have a bit of dinner, sleep or whatever, and go to the nightclub. And before we go to the nightclub, we, we would literally go to the most run down 
bar on the end of Marbella Strip. We'd be the only people in there. Flicks was, Flicks was the worst bar in Marbella, but it was. I, I think the, the thing that made it good was the fact that it would just be us. Literally, like, yeah, yeah. We can all hang out with all the other DJs and all the other the people, and we, we don't have to worry about anyone turning up and Duh. ruining it, the party. It, like. it was on them places where you could, like, get shots for like less than a euro so we, so we go in and it'll be like you look around it's literally only djs and promoters and like our little close no circle one, of mates if you weren't if you weren't in the circle you didn't know about it nah. never go in there. because it's such a dingy bar yeah even if you see someone that's my favorite there, that's my favorite bro, bar in my bay it's, it's the best venue in my bay yeah, yeah which is mad because they used to have um, they didn't used to have a dj they used to have just a laptop <laughs> yeah. We used to go in and get the aux cable, so like whoever had the newest iPhone would basically be in charge of the music. But what was crazy is you'd have you go in there and get like you'd look around and be like, oh, could I just get like fifty shots for everyone, please? And it'd be like, yeah, twenty euros. And then like like Sammy would turn up and you'd be like, Sammy, three shots now. Yeah, brilliant. Oh no, and we used to literally start every single night out in flicks. Oh, it started at flicks. But But then by the time you leave flicks. The, the, you don't remember anything <laughs> nah. so I've got so many DJ sets that I've played in Marbella that I don't remember <laughs> but it, it's just it flicks blame me on flicks That's, it's crazy when I look back and I think about the party years in Marbella because I don't know about you my hangovers now I can't drink like I used to drink I don't really drink. drink no more like that's it really no, no no same like literally I don't know where it is about that that period of our life but we used to go pool party nightclub Sometimes even like a, a supper club before the nightclub. Four days in a row. And we would drink day and night for four days. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it must take years off my life. And then you'd have to get up, at, you'd, you'd get back from the club at six, but your flight's at ten. Oh, too many times, too yeah. many times. I'm, Greenies, one of the only ones who would wait for me where I'd literally have the club <coughs> finish at six. You ever missed a flight? I've only ever missed one flight. In my whole no, I said it like I'm guessing. I've missed two. The the one flight that I've missed because of work, and this is what's actually mad. I never miss one in my bow. Even if really? I even if I got that surprises in, me. I know, <laughs> considering that the clubs would finish at six, and sometimes we'd have to be in a cab at like seven. Yeah, yeah, to, get, yeah. to go like get to the airport two hours before. I've come close, come very close. As I say, a greenie used to wait for me. I remember one where we stayed in a apartment. On the front, you know, them ones literally by yeah. Plaza Beach, like on the beach. Yeah. And I come back to the apartment and it was just deserted. And I just see Greedy sat there on the couch, like, oh. I waited for you. <laughs> like, literally the only one. I used to have but, a fear uh, of missing flights until it happened. And then I was just like, oh, this ain't that bad, actually. Yeah, you just wait for the next one. Joe, you know it was. Jermaine used to book all of our flights so last minute. So it'd be like, yo, we're playing in Marbella on Friday. Like, what's going on? It's Wednesday. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll send your flights. I'll send your flights. Phone him up. Bro, it's Thursday. We're playing in the Marbella tomorrow. Like, <laughs> where's the flights, right? And then he'd send it over and then it'd be like that morning and you've got to go straight to the pool party, right? But because of that, I used to have this like repetitive dream that I was on the way to an airport and the gates just closed in front of me and stuff like that, right? So I used to have a fear of missing flights. And then um, the first one I missed was probably five years into all this travelling. Like, I didn't ever miss flights. Just, and then yeah. I got really drunk Um Got back to the got back to the room and then I think my pickup was at about ten in the morning. But where I'd got in at six, I just overslept. It happened. It's happened a couple of times in my bar, and um, oh, the worst thing was that first time it happened. Right, so I had a flight to Stansted, um, but then I had to be in Nottingham later that day. 
uh, for a gig because I, I played on the Friday. I had to DJ in Nottingham on the Saturday. So I've I've then tried to I've missed the flight. I've tried to go on Sky, Skyscanner and get a flight straight to Nottingham. Um, or to East Midlands or somewhere near there. There was nothing that would get me there on time. So I had to fly to Luton, then go to Stansted to get my car, oh. and then go to Nottingham. Oh, All a on the worst hangover ever. And then I had to DJ for like three hours in Nottingham. No, long. I remember, yeah, that's what's mad, is the amount of times I've rolled in from nightclubs and still made the flight. The only flight I've ever missed is where... I was in Ireland and the, the club promoter had booked my flights and picked me up and everything, the, the hospitality was on point, but he hadn't checked me in online. So what that meant is when he basically said, oh, we've got loads of time, let's go for breakfast, you can just rock up and get on the flight, like, there's to go be no yeah. one there. I was like, yeah, cool, that's fine. Because he hadn't checked me in, I couldn't put my luggage in and I used to, well, I still do, carry all my microphones in my luggage. Oh, So you've got to the gate and they're like, oh yeah, you can get on, but you, you have to leave your bag. And I was like, I was like, I can't, I can't leave my bag. So I then had to wait another three hours for a flight. That's like, I was fine, uh, like on time, everything. But just because I arrived an hour before, I drove me and Sammy to the wrong airport once. Wow, did you still make the actual flight though? Right, I I am Mr. Early when it comes to flights. I'm sure you've heard stories. <laughs> yeah, I know Max would be in very early I for am, flights. You come to my house, I'll drive to the airport, I'll park the car, but we're getting there at this time. Right? Organisation is key though, it is key. And you yeah. can relax when you get to the airport, relax, no dramas. Not if you're with Sammy. <laughs> Sammy's the opposite of me, he's like, oh, we'll be alright. <laughs> very <laughs> relaxed when it comes to being on time, right? But you see with Sammy and get into like gigs in Marbella is he used to be the one that would like print all the mix CDs and he'd be having to print like 10,000 CDs for every DJ that was, <laughs> that was giving it away so I used to message Sammy like the night before Marbella and he'd be like yeah can you get to my house at 6am to pick them up because that's when they'll finish printing and I have them in the box so I used to just drive to his house yeah I used to silly o'clock and there'll be like every DJ coming down his road all, all getting their CDs he obviously couldn't carry them all in his case but yeah so we, would, we were doing Movida in Dubai like once a month or something but they'd always book either me and Sammy together or me and Kenzie or Sammy and Kenzie there'd be two of us every time so I'd been out to Dubai like we used to go out there a lot um, and we'd always fly from Gatwick so Mr Early Sammy you've got to get to my house at 7am I'll drive to the airport um, get in the car I'd drive to Heathrow no, wait, if we've flown from Gatwick the last couple of times, yeah, I've, I've drove to Gatwick, right, and then we get to the car park, and then we get in the car park, because I've pre-booked the parking at Gatwick. <laughs> but for the wrong airport. <laughs> and then Sammy's like, yo, we're at Gatwick. I was like, yeah, he's like, bro, we're flying from Heathrow. I was like, F Right, so then we've ended up getting back on the M25, and we had to run for that flight, and literally we made it by a second. Mad mad the, uh, to be fair i come close once in dubai as well and i just i'd been to a I played at a brunch or something and i had to fly really early and i woke up that next day and i thought oh i'm so late for this flight still had a shower and everything because i have to have a shower when i wake up in the morning yeah. i thought if i miss the flight i still need to shower <laughs> so uh, backwards yeah, levels to shower in I'm, yeah I'm, li I'm literally like <laughs> there's call, a splash and then I'm there's like, like radox on and then i'm like calling the guy whilst i'm in the shower like yeah can you be at my house in like 30 seconds i need to leave get to the gate they're like we're closed but you know dubai airport was so big they have so many different check-in desks yeah, yeah so i was on one side and they're like there's no way 
I'm like, ah, oh. so I'm walking back and I'm like, just let me try on the other side with a different person. Get there, I'm like, I've got such a big business meeting tomorrow. Obviously, just like trying to make some excuse. And she's like, if you run right now and run, you'll make the flight. We'll Shit. tell him to hold it. So I put my bag through. I've sprinted through the check-in, like all the security, everything. I was wearing flip-flops. I had to take my flip-flop. Oh I'm running God. bare feet through Dubai Airport. Get onto the flight, sweating, like go to the toilet, wash myself, sit down. I look to my left and Bongo Ben sat there on the left. <laughs> we, the we, we'd actually booked separate flights, oh but been out together the night before. He, and I, obviously, I'm not on my phone, but he's messaging me like, where are you? Aren't you supposed to be at the airport? Like, And I've just not replied because I'm like asleep and then running around getting the flight and he's actually sat next to me and we booked separately and everything I used to, <laughs> I used to love the Bay Airport so we we were doing once a month with Movida and then after that happened me and Rusky were, were rotating at Cirque so it was every other week he'd do one week I'd do the other I ended up having like a Emirates Platinum card right because right. like, they'd be booking my flights like at the, the, the club but you can still take the air miles yeah like, I've, I've upgraded flights from that mad like if you see me on business class flights, I've only ever paid for business class once. <laughs> but I've been on it and I loads. Oh, I love that. Love that. Well, listen, Max, it's been a pleasure having you down for the show. I can't wait to see and hear some of the music that you've been making and going to be putting out. And I encourage everyone to get over to Max's Mixcloud Instagram. It's all the same. It's just at Max Denim. And yeah, go check out the video of Max in the Mix live from the studio. Cheers, Max. Thanks for having me, bro. Pleasure, bro. Pleasure.